You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit tugging at your heartstrings? Have you ever felt like there was a passion within you to help people, to make a difference, to offer what you could? Have you ever felt a summons to serve people that just wouldn't go away? Have you ever felt there was something that you had to give and it was the right thing to do even if you couldn't quite explain it to other people? That's God's call. And God calls each of us in any number of ways, and they all look different. Some of us are called to teaching. Some of us are called to focus on caring for one another. Some of us are called to help make sure things are organized or that people feel heard or um, that people are fed. Some of us are called to ordain ministry. The scripture we're about to hear this morning is often associated with deacons in the United Methodist Church. It's fitting that the person reading our scripture for us this morning is a retired deacon from this congregation, Reverend Christine Wyatt. Deacons are clergy leaders who are called to justice, compassion, word, and service. Sometimes they work in congregations. Other times they work in hospitals or in schools, in nonprofits or other specialized ministries. Maybe God is calling you to something similar. As we prepare to hear the scripture this morning, I'd invite you to pray with me. Will you do that? Let's pray. God, we thank you for calling us. And there may even be somebody who is taking part in this worship service this morning who's feeling a call to ordained ministry. Light that fire in our hearts, God. As we listen to the example of Jesus Help us know what you're calling us to do. Help us to hear these words with fresh ears and receive your Holy Spirit with an open mind. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's hear these words from the Gospel of John about Jesus. Words that focus on an act of radical service that surprised everybody around him. Thanks, Christine, for reading. A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean, and you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, 
not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and has returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Christine. My daughter, Maxine, is a year old and she has a height of less than 30 inches, which means she's less than two and a half feet tall. And like most babies, she likes to be picked up so that she can see the world from a different perspective. She also loves when people kneel down and interact with her face to face on her level. I don't know when the last time is that you looked at the world from the perspective of two and a half feet tall, but the world looks a lot different when you're that close to the ground. You're looking up at almost everyone and everything, and most things feel like they're towering over you. You should try it sometime. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Our scripture this morning is one in which Jesus intentionally takes on a new perspective. He's gathered his closest friends for a meal. What Jesus knew and what we know because we know the end of, of the story is that this is a final meal with his friends. During the evening together, Jesus gets up from the table and he takes off his robe and he ties a towel around his waist. He pours water into a wash basin and he starts to wash his friend's feet, drying them with a towel. It's sort of a humiliating thing for Jesus to choose to do. In Jesus' time, almost everybody traveled by feet and they wore sandals and the roads were dusty. People's feet were disgusting. They were the dirtiest part of the body. And so washing feet was a common activity. In the same way you or I might wash our hands before a meal, in Exodus, washing your feet was part of how you prepared to come before the Lord. It was a religious ritual that people took part in. It was also a common practice of hospitality for the host to provide water so that guests could wash their feet. Or if the household was rich enough, a servant or a slave would wash your feet for you. Now the interesting thing is somebody who had a higher status, somebody like Jesus, who was a great teacher or a lord, would never kneel to wash the feet of other people who were seen as less than them. It was unheard of. It was without parallel, without precedent. Nothing had ever happened like this before. So I want you to imagine this just for a moment. You're one of these disciples, one of these close followers of Jesus who's been with him through the whole uh, of his public ministry. And you see Jesus, the Son of God, worker of miracles, the one who turned water into wine, Jesus, who fed thousands of people, who taught and preached to thousands more, 
Jesus, who had the power to bring Lazarus back from the dead, is now kneeling on the ground with a bowl of dirty water and his nice robe tossed aside. It's almost impossible to wash somebody's feet without kneeling, without bowing down or bending, without physically making your body smaller, more vulnerable, more humble, looking up at the world. In the book of Isaiah, in the Hebrew Bible, we read this passage, surely every knee will bow, every tongue will confess the Lord. In the New Testament book of Philippians, Paul quotes this same passage, saying something very similar. Kneeling or bending at the knee, as it is sometimes translated, is something people did throughout scripture to, to show loyalty or respect. It's a sign of worship and devotion to kneel before someone, whether it's God or a human leader. Kneeling is also a posture of prayer. Maybe like me, you've knelt beside your bed to say your evening prayers before going to sleep. Kneeling is something people do before making a request. In scripture, on a number of occasions, people come to Jesus and they bow before him, before asking them, before asking him for a miracle of healing or um, some other requests that they have. Now, when clergy are ordained in the United Methodist Church, we kneel in front of the annual conference session. We're not kneeling to the annual conference, we're kneeling before God. But kneeling is a prescribed part of that liturgy of our ordination. And then our bishop lays hands on our heads and invokes the power of the Holy Spirit. The year that I got ordained, the bishop of the Michigan area was Bishop Deb Kesey. And she did something as part of ordination that I had never seen a bishop do. She washed the feet of those of us who are being ordained. Now, I want you to picture this. Most of you have probably never had the opportunity to attend an ordination service, but it is quite the thing. I mean, everybody is wearing a robe who is clergy, even though it's always 90 degrees. Back in those days, we were in Adrian Chapel and there was no air conditioning, and so people were just dripping sweat, but wearing their full robes because it was so important to have that pomp and circumstance. And dozens of clergy are processing into the service as the organ plays and a choir sings and the bishop leads us in with the shepherd crook. And it is a high church kind of moment. Those of you who are here for Consecration Sunday in the fall last year, you know what I'm talking about, that high, holy kind of moment. And in the midst of all of this excitement and um, kind of regal energy, the bishop, in her robe, in her stole, ready to preach a sermon, bends down on her knees. She gets out a pitcher and a basin and a towel She washes our feet. It was a really unexpected act of leadership and service. What a model to all of us, whether we're clergy or not. To have a leader like that choose to bend and humble herself like Jesus and wash feet. Because even though we don't travel by foot everywhere today, feet are still kind of gross sometimes. As I think about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, the unexpected part of the equation isn't really the foot washing. That may have been unexpected for those of us in an ordination service 
in modern times. But in Jesus' day, the foot washing was common. The thing that was different was Jesus, his status, somebody like him choosing to serve other people in this way. Kneeling expresses vulnerability. It expresses humility. Jesus' friends would have expected that kind of posture from a servant or a slave. They would not have expected it from Jesus, who's their teacher, their Lord, their master, their leader. Our culture today would have us believe that to be a leader means to be aggressive, to be dominating, to be perhaps even antagonistic. And we can go further into some of those negative words, but to be a leader in today's culture, the word humble is not at the top of that list. But Jesus reminds us that true leadership inspires humility, inspires compassion, inspires service for others. To follow the example of Jesus is not to think so much of ourselves that we cannot show kindness through simple tasks for others. So I have a question for you. Have you ever gotten stuck holding the door at a large gathering? Feels funny to talk about it now in COVID because how many of you have been in a really large gathering recently? But you know what I'm talking about. People start to walk out and you're holding the door and there's no good time to hand it off to somebody. So for many years, my father, David Crum, wrote for the Detroit Free Press, and specifically he wrote about religion and religious events. And in those days, the Detroit Free Press would fly reporters all over the world to cover events. That's what newspapers did back then. Well, when I was almost two years old, my dad was sent to attend a worldwide gathering of Anglicans in Canterbury called the Lambeth Conference. And my, my dad attended this opening worship service of all these Anglicans, all these Anglican bishops in particular. And he was seated in the press section, so once the worship service was over, he snuck over to the door, and he was one of the first people to get to the door uh, because he, of where he was seated. And it was this massive oak door that led the way out of the Canterbury Cathedral. And he pulled open one of these large wooden doors and promptly got stuck holding the door for everybody who came after him. And he describes it as a procession of bishop after bishop after bishop, something that looked like a Dickens novel, a Charles Dickens novel. And there was never a good moment to let go of the door or to hand it off or to say, hey, bishop, you want to you wanna help me out here? And so my dad's standing there in front of this door, and all of a sudden, a hand taps him on the shoulder, and he hears a voice saying, you did not come here to be a servant for us. You came to fulfill your vocation. So go and do that. And the hand took over holding the door. Well, it turns out that the voice and the hand belonged to Bishop Desmond Tutu, the famous fighter of apartheid in South Africa and also a recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. Bishop Tutu took over holding the door for my dad and proceeded to hold the door open for the rest of the bishops as they shuffled out of the worship service. To serve like Jesus served and to lead others well means showing basic kindness, starting with simple acts of compassion. It's as simple and unexpected as helping to hold a door open. 
When Jesus kneels to wash the feet of his friends, it's not a physically difficult thing for him. Almost anybody could do what he's doing. It's just like any one of us can hold open a door. Nobody had thought to do what Jesus did in the way that Jesus is doing because of who he is and who they assumed perhaps they were. Jesus has power as a leader, but he changes the game by giving away some of his power. He lowers himself to the station of a foot washer. He's physically looking up to his own followers. By kneeling and washing his feet, he's changing his position relative to the rest of the world, and he's changing his own perspective so that he sees the world in a different way, both literally and metaphorically. He's not doing something that nobody else has ever done. It's not an impossible act that he's taking on. It's not some big heroic thing that, oh my gosh, whoever could think to do this thing. It's just that they had never thought foot washing was important. Foot washing was essential in their culture. It's not the act itself that they didn't think it was important. It's that they didn't think it was important enough for them to be doing it. Hosts always provided water so that guests could wash but they'd assumed that perhaps these disciples had assumed that they were too good to be washing feet. Perhaps they assumed they were too important for such a mundane task in the way that you or I might assume somebody like Bishop Desmond Tutu was too important to spend his time holding a door open for other people. Now, according to the standards of our culture, maybe that's true. Leaders like that have other ways to use their time, But in the story my dad tells, apparently Bishop Tutu felt like holding a door open was exactly the task to which he was called in that moment. In the same way that Jesus felt like washing feet was exactly the thing he was called to in that moment. What simple acts of kindness are we overlooking? Simply because we think we're too important to pursue those things. What work do we think we're too good for that God might be calling us to? Now sometimes, like with the foot washing, it may be right in front of our face and we may think, well, no, I don't think I'm too good for stuff. And yet it's just never occurred to us because it's something so common. And yet God might be asking us to shift our perspective and see things differently, do things differently. And we don't literally have to do what Jesus did here. Literally washing feet is not really the point of this story. But shifting our perspective is. Caring for others, that's what this is about. Seeing things through a new lens, imagining ourselves in the shoes of someone else, that's what this is about. So have you ever seen the show Undercover Boss? I have watched a few episodes of this across the years, and the idea, basically, if you haven't seen it, is a boss disguises herself and goes to work like a normal person in her company or business. And you see all kinds of things in this show, but typically it's somebody who's a CEO type who normally wears a suit to work, and they go and they do something like flip burgers or take out the trash or all those kinds of mundane things that happen in the life of their business that a normal worker might do that they never typically would. Suddenly they're taking on these jobs that they might have seen as beneath them prior to the show. 
They see the things that they're asking their employees to do on a regular basis. Now, many people love this show, Undercover Boss, and I, I think it's because we like this idea of a boss who identifies with us, or we like the idea of taking the boss down a couple notches and you know, see what it's like to live like a normal person lives. Similarly, we like the idea of Jesus washing our feet. Maybe it makes, it, uh, makes us a little bit uncomfortable, but we do also like that idea that Jesus cares so much about us, he would stoop even to wash our feet. But it gets a little bit more uncomfortable and more challenging when we are in the position of the leader, in a position of power. When Jesus turns the tables and says, okay, now you wash the feet. You go and do likewise, serve one another. Whether we're a boss in a company or whether we're the one that always gets stuck taking out the trash, that doesn't really matter. All of us have kind of feet jobs, things that we don't really like to do. Now, I don't think the point of this is that Jesus wants us to be miserable and always pursue those things that we really just don't like doing. That's not what this story is about. But it is clear that to be a Christian is to set aside our presumed status that we think we may have and humble ourselves so that we're willing to help others in whatever means necessary. Because acts done in love and compassion towards others, those are radical acts. To do something to serve somebody else just because we value them, not to get acknowledgement, not to receive a reward, not because we think we're better or we think we're saving somebody or we want to be thanked. To serve people just to serve them because God is calling us to that work, that's a countercultural message. That is something different than the narrative of the world. Jesus is calling us to something different. Our culture right now tells us to look out for number one, and that's us. But Jesus shows us that we are to serve others as if they are number one. Jesus reminds us that no job when done to help others in love is unworthy of us. By kneeling before people who are supposedly inferior to him, his followers, his friends, Jesus reminds us that the Christian faith is fundamentally about caring for others, not about caring for ourselves. The Christian faith is fundamentally about caring for others, not about caring for ourselves. Now, it feels a little bit harsh sometimes to say it in that way because I know from talking to many of you over the phone, through email, through text message, and prayer requests submitted through the website that there are hard things going on in people's lives. There are hard things going on in our community, in our culture, in our world. In this congregation, we have people who have lost loved ones. We have people who are facing sickness. We have people who are caregivers, who are anxious, who are in pain. There's a lot on people's plates. So to say, oh, the Christian faith isn't about caring for ourselves, I can see how that would be a difficult pill to swallow. And yet, and yet, as we think about this story from John 13, it helps to remember the context of Jesus' actions in this passage. It's not just that Jesus was the Son of God humbling himself to wash people's feet, worker of miracles, 
the one who brings people back from the dead. It's also the timing. Jesus performed this radical act of service on the night that he knew he was going to die. He knew that his life on earth was drawing to a close. Jesus knew his time was short. Jesus knew he didn't have very long to leave a legacy. Death was imminent. Time was precious. Jesus could have said, you know, my time is way too valuable to spend washing feet. But instead he said, in these last few moments that I have with the people that I love, this is exactly what I need to be doing. With these last few moments that I have, this is exactly what I need to be doing. Serving others, showing love, humbling himself. So as we read this passage, as we seek to follow Jesus in 2020, the question for us to consider is, what is God asking us to do in this precious time? in this precious moment? Are there ways that God is calling us to shift our perspective, to see the world differently, to understand the perspective of someone else around us in a new way? Are there acts of service that God keeps nudging us about that we keep putting off? Is there someone you've been meaning to call? You've been meaning to lend a hand to? Is there something that you're uncomfortable doing that the Holy Spirit just won't let you forget about that God is asking you to do? There are things for each one of us to be doing today in the name of Jesus. And time is precious. Caring for others is at the core of our faith. Humility is the lens through which we see the world. So let's ask ourselves once more, what is God asking us to be doing in this moment? How is God calling us to kneel at the feet of our friends? How can we follow Jesus in serving those around us? May God lead us to an answer today and in the week ahead. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.